Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The White Sox and the Yankees met up in Dyersville, Iowa to play an actual major league game near where a fictional film was set. Because that makes a ton of sense, right? Why the hell not? I guess. But then you get a ton of people who seem to be getting really dusty. Dusty as hell, in fact, at home watching that game. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a nice setting. Like, really nice. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's a beautiful setting. And it was actually pretty cool to see home runs disappearing over that fence. I will give you that. But let's just say the stocks beyond that outfield fence were not the only corn in play last night. Because to paraphrase a wise man, that game walked the thin line of blasphemy. And it veered into gimmicky as hell a number of times. Listen, I understand. Like, I get it. I get that that's a movie that means a lot to a lot of people. And it sure seemed to be a lot of folks tweeting with tears running down their faces as that game played out last night. Like, if you liked it that much and it made you cry, good for you. I'm not here to take a dump on something that you enjoyed. If seeing dudes launch moonshots into a cornfield makes you happy, great. You do you. I'm not going to say you're wrong. However, let's not act like that wasn't gimmicky as hell. Starting with nearly two and a half minutes of Kevin Costner walking out of the corn and across the field. Gimmicky. Like two and a half minutes. And it felt like two and a half months. Like I'd play it for you right now, but there are no words... Just Ray Kinsella coming out of the corn, dressed like he was going to paint a house or something. Yeah, I know. I know, clones. When you see a baseball guy coming out dressed in light colors, you thought Scott's service was showing up to do door frames and windows. You said that I dropped the damn brush, and they're staying all over the place. Look, I want to be very clear, all right? I've got nothing but respect for Costner. He's a hell of an actor. He's had a hell of a career, but him walking around on that field like he was somehow surprised or confused to be out there was corny, man. Corny as hell, and no pun intended. I'm not saying this guy's got a sprint in like Todd Coffey or Heath Bell, but two and a half minutes? Felt like two and a half hours. Felt like two and a half months. Like, and I'm not really sure what we're supposed to make of his reactions. Like, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm trying to read this guy. He seemed to be actually surprised or confused or both. Like, so what was going on right there? Was that actually Kinsella or was that Costner or both? And given all the time and all the money that went into setting up that field for last night, I mean, Costner had to know that he was walking to a baseball stadium, right? How long has that guy been out there in that corn that he didn't know that he'd find a baseball field with 8,000 fans there? And see, that's the thing. Kevin Costner's character from the movie would be surprised by this, but it's not a movie. Yeah, Spoiler alert, it's not a movie. That's real life. Like, I feel like I need to mention this once again. Field of Dreams is a movie. It had ghosts, ghosts that somehow live in a cornfield in Iowa. It's a work of fiction adapted from a work of fiction. 
Except last night, people were acting like it actually happened. Like it was a real thing. Listen, I get this too. MLB has to do different things. MLB has got to get the hell out of its own way. MLB's got to get out of the box. They have to do whatever they can to get eyeballs during a 162-game season. And dropping five mil, five mil, to create a field for a game in a cornfield because it happened in a movie is about as good of an attempt at getting eyeballs on their sport in August as anything else. Although I'm not sure that doing something based on a movie that dropped 32 years ago is nearly as fresh as MLB thinks it is. I mean, as great as that setting was, and it was cool, the movie is older than most of the guys who played in last night's game. That movie is almost as old as Rit. And some of the guys who played in that game haven't even seen the movie. I'm guessing that some of the guys who played in that game haven't even heard of the movie and can't figure out what the hell they're doing playing a major league game in a cornfield. And I'll tell you something else. I'm not sure that throwing it back to when the league was segregated is the killer app that MLB was hoping for. I'm guessing they'd rather you didn't think about that part of baseball in the early 20th century. Then there's that. However, as I mentioned, I'm not here to take a dump on the proceedings. There actually were some good things that happened last night. Namely, it was a damn good game. That game would have been interesting no matter what the setting was. That game would have been interesting even if there weren't home run balls into the corn. The fact that it was a good game made all that corn easier to swallow. Because I'll admit, it was pretty cool when Jose Abreu went deep in the bottom of the first. Here's the 0-2 pitch. That is shot into left field. Back at the wall. It is gone. And the first home run in MLB history in Iowa belongs to Jose Abreu. A laser over the wall and left. And the White Sox lead one to nothing here in the first. Right into the corn. My thanks to Fox. So that had to be like an enormous sigh of relief for MLB because you know for five million bucks, what they wanted more than anything else was somebody to jump ship and go into the cornfield. And at least they got that one, right? They had to be happy about that. We got to get just one. Somebody's got to get into the corn. Instead, they get eight, five in the first six innings. That cornfield was bleeping Coors Field. That cornfield was Coors Canaveral in Iowa. The White Sox were looking to close it out with their bully. They have two of the best closers in baseball, but that didn't quite work out, right? Craig Kimbrell works a scoreless eighth. He hands over a 7-4 lead to Liam Hendricks for the ninth. This should have been in a really good spot. But then this happened. And it all two- happened. Aaron Judge happened. And the 2-1 swung on and hit high in the air to deep right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. His second home run of the night. Judgey and blast to be sure. All rise. Here comes the judge. And then there was the big fellow. Giancarlo Stanton. And Hendricks deals. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Into the cornstalks to give the Yankees a lead. What a comeback. It is a Stantonian blast. Giancarlo. No sleep won't Scobarlo. Yeah, anyway, for one night, pretty cool to see home runs disappear into corn. 
Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. In fact, I can't wait for MLB to start scheduling games in the Sandlot or that Little League field where the Bad News Bears played. And for a moment, it looked like the White Sox were going to completely blow this game and this night. But in the bottom of the ninth, down one with one out and one man on, here comes Tim Anderson. Anderson hits it in the Uh-oh. Ball game, walk off, or should I say, stalk off, as just about everybody on Twitter did last night. Get it? Stalk off? Because it's a walk off into corn stalks. Pretty cool moment. And it may have totally saved what could have been the corniest game in baseball history. I love the fact also that Anderson styled the hell out of that, out of that home run. Pretty hilarious that he celebrated the hell out of it because something like that would have gotten this guy a fastball in the dome back in the day with Shoeless Joe. But again, I do get it. Cool location. Nice tip of the hat to the movie. Let's just not make this into something bigger than it is. As cool as that was, and it was kind of cool, last night's game is not going to change the bottom line. It's pretty much not going to change anything at all. And I know it won't make people think that baseball is once again America's pastime. It's not. It's hard to imagine that it ever was at any point. And it'll probably pull pretty good ratings. At least it better, right? Because if you're up against exhibition football and summer league basketball and that doesn't do well in the ratings, baseball really is circling the drain. That's how you know something is gimmicky as hell. When you have to throw five mil at a regular season game just to beat out meaningless exhibition games in other sports. Rob Manford, man, I see you working. I see what you're doing. I see what you did there. Hey, do me a favor. Get Raj on the phone, right? Get him on the phone and get him to do something similar. Not that the NFL needs that like you do, but why not, right? How about having the Cowboys and the Bucks in a prison yard and remake of that 2005 classic, The Longest Yard? You know, another one of those movies where I starred. Why don't we do that? Have Adam Sandler walking in in dramatically slow motion through solitary and the prison showers into the prison yard and then going into the booth with Al and Chris Collinsworth. Have Adam get lit up by Devin White during the pregame so he can come on this show and we can once again talk about him being the $15 million man that he is. These guys are probably like, damn, I just hit the $15 million guy. But at the same time, as that guy, you want your movie to work and for it to work, these scenes got to be realistic. Well, Jim, first of all, it's $25 million. <laughs> <laughs> Notice that's not a fake laugh on my part. That, that was a full guttural reaction. Like, I thought that was pretty funny that back in the day, Adam Sandler could always command 15 mil. Like, my man was not stepping off a curb unless there was a $15 million bill beneath it. Like, never even had to make a movie unless there was a $15 million bill beneath it. I always thought that was great. Good for him. Until he corrected me that it wasn't 15 mil, but 25 mil. 
<laughs> Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. He is Jason Lockenfora, JLC. How is your summer going? Uh, it was it was great while it lasted, brother. Um, how is yours? Same, dude. Same. It went fast, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, all good, though, man. We uh, Football is upon us. That is the best thing. You and I know this. All right, so it seems like you've been out covering nearly every single training camp there is. No. Why no. don't we start with the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens? JLC, what do you make of everything that's played out for the Ravens so far this summer? Yeesh. Yeah, nothing's really going right, Jim. Um, and they're kind of at this weird inflection point now where Lamar Jackson's back from his COVID, um, you know, his, his, his 10-day mandatory uh, COVID absence due to the, the um, positive test. And the rest of the team kind of fell apart while he was gone. Um, they're down to really one starting offensive lineman where they thought he would be. Uh, they're down to a bunch of receivers, most of whom um, would be battling for a practice squad snaps. Normally, um, they're going to be some of them are going to be running with the ones and the twos because tomorrow night when the Saints are here, uh, there there ain't going to be nobody else to throw to. Uh, all their sort of grandiose ideas about expanding this offense and throwing more to J.K. Dobbins and getting under center more, more play action, throwing more outside the hash marks. Well, no Hollywood Brown, no Rashad Bateman until weeks into the regular season. Uh, and right now, no offensive line. The, the five-man unit they've been kind of forced to put together day in, day out has been getting um, really beat up bad by the Ravens' um, defensive line. I don't know how you play Lamar Jackson in any of these games. I mean, even if Ronnie Stanley, their all-pro left tackle, let's say he plays in the third preseason game, that's his first time back in a live situation since, um, you know, he, he had season-ending surgery in the middle of the season. Like, he's just going to be feeling his way through something he's never done before. And it, I'm not playing Lamar Jackson, even for a few snaps in those scenarios, especially when he's not going to be able to throw it to Bateman anyway. And um, so I don't know, Jim, that, then if that's the case, you won't really see what they have, and they won't really know what they have, possibly until sometime in October, which makes those eight or so practices he missed at the start really, really important because, like, the other dudes were there then. They just didn't have their quarterback. All right, so my response to that is you are not wrong. Jason, where do you come out on this? Like, if you had to guess and maybe it's hypothetical, I understand the decision as to whether or not to get a vaccination is extremely personal. It's extremely sensitive, but you've got a quarterback who has now been tested positive twice Mm -hmm. and still is not vaccinated reportedly. I'm just kind of curious, how does that play in the locker room? Does everybody say, that's our guy, he leads from the front, it's a personal decision, or do you think there may be some frustration? Yeah, I mean, I I think locker room and and throughout the organization, they've done a great job publicly putting on this uber-supportive face, but like, you only get so many of these practices, and you, you only get so many rolls of the dice when you do have your whole group together before attrition takes hold. And for him to not do anything the first week and a half is suboptimal. It's, it's far from ideal. You, you don't want your backups to be getting that much work. Um, 
In the locker room, I, I mean, there's different opinions about this. He is not the only unvaccinated player on that team, but that um, they are, you know, at 90%-ish, so most guys have been. And, and there's just natural frustrations as well. Like, he can't roam through the building as freely as other guys. He can't plop down at anybody's lunch table, you know what I mean, and have a conversation or get something started up. Um, you know, locker room protocols, post-practice protocols are, are different for the unvaccinated players. So is that what you want from your quarterback? No. Um, you know, again, the, the messaging here has been very different than, say, oh, Minnesota, where they've had quarterback issues as well vis-a-vis vaccinations. And Mike Zimmer is literally kind of pulling his hair out in front of the cameras some days. But, like, the Ravens haven't gone that route, but you'd have to be kidding yourself to think that some people aren't harboring those same sort of thoughts about what are we doing here. You bet. Jason Lockenfora joining us, NFL insider for CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. So I had Jim Trotter on the program yesterday. Jason, we were talking about the Cleveland Browns Mm -hmm. and the expectations surrounding them. As you know, I'm not only on that bandwagon, I built that freaking bandwagon. So what do you make of the hype? All nine. Yeah, man. So what do you make of the hype for them this year? What are your expectations? I'm on board, man. Um, I, I'm I'm on board. Uh, it's it's a really good roster. You know, you can't coach size, you can't coach speed, you, you can't coach depth, and they they've got all the above. Now, it doesn't mean some of that won't be compromised, and um, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for them by any stretch of the imagination, especially in that division. But you got to think of all the gains they made last year, and Kevin Stefanski barely knew everybody's name. I mean, nobody could come in his office and ask him a question. Nobody could hang out on the field for extra work. Everything was being taught via tablets, and they ended an installation via, you know, in large part tablets. There was no real classroom. Uh, and, and look at the professional-grade operation they became, and look what it was like when you put some guardrails in place and you, 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 you clearly define what um, – is acceptable and unacceptable, and then you hold people accountable if if they're not towing the line. So yeah, I'm 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 bullish on them. Um, talking to guys like Jarvis Landry, you know, when I was there, and he's he's seen a little bit of everything. Four years to him feels like fifty with all the Browns have been through since then. Um, you just get the sense that there is a a comfort level um, of everyone pulling in the same direction. And Baker Mayfield is at ease. He doesn't have to meet somebody halfway. They don't have to figure him out or meet him halfway. Like, they've built this thing, and it works for him. And he knows he doesn't have to win the box score every weekend. He's just got to win the game. Um, and I don't know about Clowney's health. No, I mean, look, it's been a long time since he's played a full season. But I will say this. The games he plays, he will be a force. And maybe his luck's finally turned, and he plays more games than he misses. Jason Lockin for my guest once again. All right, so you mentioned Baker Mayfield, JLC. What about Josh Allen? Now entering his fourth season, he's got big extension. He took an enormous step forward last year. Yeah. I mean, what kind of expectations do you have for the Bills? You know they're good. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're Super Bowl good? I mean, look, I think the Bills could go into Arrowhead on their day and 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 maybe come away with a with a victory. Um I really like the rebuilt defense. They they went from being kind of like athletic and squatty on the D line to having dudes. I mean, you you know, guy six six coming off the edge. You know, at Tremaine Edmonds, I think in year four is really going to prosper, especially because the defensive line is going to be bigger and better. It's going to open up more lanes for him to swoop in and and use that 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 speed and those that massive wingspan to affect the ball and the ball carrier more. Um, 
And I think they're going to be a little more balanced and, 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 and run the ball a little better, a little more efficiently. Look, do I think Josh Allen's going to put up the exact numbers of last year? No. I mean, there may be a little regression in there. And, I, again, I think they may be a little more balanced. And I'm not sure that um, in some of these games they're going to necessarily feel the need to hang 50 on somebody. I, I, I could just see the game flow and, 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 and them having a similar record, but maybe some of the numbers not being quite as gaudy. Uh, but I, I, look, I think he's an elite quarterback. Um, I don't think he's going to take a major step back. I think he'll be very effective. I'm just not sure all the, the, the net numbers will be the same. Um, but what they can do with him, what, what his, his physicality and, and his athleticism opens up for them, coupled with um, massive gains in accuracy and ball protection, um, not turning it over, I, I, I think a lot of those things are here to stay. All right, so one last thing off the board, Jason. Odyssey came to me and some of their other talent and said, we need a list of your 75 favorite songs of all time. Oh, jeez. Right? Exactly. That was exactly That's my impossible. reaction. Oh, jeez. So this is why I bring this up. How would you personally approach that? Are you thinking bands? Are you thinking songs? Oh, Could you come up with your 75 favorite songs of all time? I was just looking at a top 100 player list that somebody put out. Maybe it was The Athletic and thinking, God, I would never want to do that in a million years. Like, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. I mean, it's a talking point. I get it. But, not Jim, I I would beg out, to be honest with you. I would never be satisfied with it. I would would wave the white flag. Can you you sublet it to someone and then maybe sign off on it at the end? I, I, I just, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, uh, I'm going to be really honest about this, and probably management and the people who cut my checks won't like it, but your reaction, Jason, was exactly what ooh. my reaction was. I went to my guy, and I said, hey, listen, is this something I have to do? He's like, there's a lot of things that you're asked to do that I do not bring to you, so if I'm bringing this to you, yes, this you have to do this. So this is why I'm asking you how to approach it. But You're, yeah. asking, you're asking the wrong cat, man. I, I, well, I don't, I'm asking I don't the know. right cat. Is you just don't have the answer better yet. than Chinese rocks? I, I don't know. They're, they're both genius. I, I, do I have to put one in front of the other? I, I don't know. No, I got it. I knew you'd feel my pain, and this is not going to be the last time that I bring this up. If you and I are going to talk back in the day about soft soap versus bar soap, you and I oh, yeah. will talk about the 75 best songs ever, all right? Oh, good luck with that. How long do you have to work on that? Probably yesterday. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know when they need it. They don't have I it yet. I know that. would have a good weekend, but your weekend's over. Yeah, man. I know what you'll be doing. Yeah, for sure. All right, JLC, great to have you back. Looking forward to seeing you. I hope we all come together in New York and we can yes. do the show again and see you. But otherwise, always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Likewise, brother. Have a good one. Thank Me you. To JLC. We're here to do big head bets every Friday, regardless. And somehow, some way, hope to get you all paid. Head Welcome back to your segment. How you feeling, and how are you approaching this particular weekend, Head? I was feeling great, Jim, until I heard that horrible Ritz song, but um, I'm approaching this weekend. Yes, we're light, without a doubt, but we're not pandemic light, no ping pong, no darts, so a little baseball, little study for the upcoming football seasons this weekend. All right, so here's something you should do. Like, when you're driving around in your car, and it's just you and your big head, just you inside your big head, you should bump this song. Anyway, Alvin. Each Alvin. Thursday, he wears a tie. Oh, Again, no. Alvin, thanks for today. Dude, you, you want to talk rust. Alvin, you and I have this thing like where I don't wait 20 seconds. Hey, by the way, really quickly, James, is it is it the song you have an issue with or writ personally? I'm going to say both, Jim, and I. it, it sounded like Rit was actually on the board there for a second. But uh, both. <laughs> 
That's a, hey, by the way, that's a multi-level blast right there. Exactly. That's straight fire. That's a crack on you, Alvi, and a crack on you, Rit. All right, so let's get into it. Let me start with the NFL, right? So why don't we do some futures since there's no actual matchups yet. Bengals Phenom. This is one that interests me, and if it does not interest you, keep moving, but I'm into it. Joe Burrow, obviously coming off knee surgery. I saw the over-under on his passing yardage for the coming season mm-hmm. off the injury is 4,200 yards. What do you make of that number? How are you playing it? Man, I love the props this year, and I love this guy, actually, Jim. I'd take the over here. Obviously, he has to get over the mental side of the knee, but this offense should be better than it was last season. He has more weapons than he had. Also, their line last year was an F. It might be a C- minus this season. And the defense, uh, it should be close to ass again, meaning a recipe for Joe to air it out. He had, If he had played 17 games, 17 games last year as a rookie, he would have actually gotten that number anyways. Year two will be much better. Easy over for Cool Joe at 4,200 yards. All right, so not only an over, but an easy over. I also want to incorporate a new prop bet in all of our segments. The number of times you compare something to ass or say something is ass or near ass. And that's one. What are you, speechless? Yeah, I'm going to set the number yeah, your rea- two and a your half here, actually. I was thinking about what that. we got going. Two and your a half. Your reaction to this conversation is ass, James yep. Kelly. Stuart right. Elliott. Sorry. So you have an easy over on 4,200 on Joe mm-hmm. Burrow. Write that down, clones. Another quarterback. That's right. JK. <coughs> Excuse me. This gambling game's hard, dog. <laughs> Try as he may... Not to be. Kirk Cousins is something of a lightning rod. Generally on the field. And now even some... (laughs) Thanks, Alvi. You like that? I don't like that. He's become something of a lightning rod off of the field as well. Like, good dude, Mm -hmm. solid QB, but seemingly always in the crosshairs and always part of some conversation. So let's talk about Kirk Cousins. The over-under on his passing yardage is 42.50. How are you playing that one? Yeah, I've always thought he was better than most. Now, he has thrown for over 42.52 of his three seasons in Minnesota uh, already, but I'm actually going to go under here. And it's because their defense will be much better this season. I think one of the best in the NFL, actually, this season. And they will rely on that run game, Jim. Two years ago, when they made the playoffs, he threw the ball less than he had uh, in the other two seasons. And actually, his entire career is a full-time starter. That's the blueprint this season. I love the Vikings this year. They'll run that football. I'm going to go under here on Cousins in 42.50. All right, so the under. Let me ask you this. Like, for instance, I understand that when there aren't a lot of things to get down with and you want to have some long-term plays, my thing is I've got a very short attention span. Like, I want to make that bet, and I want to know right away whether I'm going to win or lose. What's it like for you on all these future bets? Are you glad that you've hedged and you've got some leverage and something to look forward to, or does it feel like that long play gets kind of – well, wow. boring. I love them. I love them because each week, and, each week you can kind of keep tracking them and tracking them, especially when it comes down to NFL when you only get that one game a week. So you can kind of pace to see what you got and see where you're at all season long. It just adds to the action. I love them. Okay. I'll have several of these. I'll have 30 of them probably. 30? Yeah, a all lot. Right. I mean, running pass. There's so many freaking options out there. You've seen it on all these sites. you got running. I mean, you got every position possible to make a bet on. Well, it's like a stock portfolio. You're tracking all your stocks, right? All right, so let's get to the big dogs now, the transcendent types, the types of QB1s who not only have the ability to put their entire team on their backs, 
but their entire city, hell, their entire state, hell, the entire country. You know where I'm going with this. I'm talking about America's quarterback, (laughs) Baker freaking Mayfield. The number I'm seeing on him is 39.50. Is he going over or under that number? So I think Baker has a great season. I think he continues to be even more efficient, but I'm going under on 39.50 for Baker. Like Minnesota, they have a run game and a much-improved defense. I see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt getting a lot more carries because that's what they want. They will win their division, Jim. I think they have a real shot at the Super Bowl this year, but I'm going to go the under on 39.50 for Baker. You know what, Sam Page, I see it that way, and that's not a negative, right? I see him as having a great running game, a brilliant offensive mind in head coach Kevin Stefanski, a certain maturity in Baker in knowing that he does not need to play hero ball. He doesn't have to force it. He just needs to be consistent, move the chains, hit the big play when it's there, get his team back to the postseason, and go even deeper this year than last, and he will. So I agree with you, and the under is not a reflection of what this guy can can or can't do because he can do a hell of a lot of things and he's going to be better now than he was last year we're on the same page as long as we're talking about transcendent players legends why don't we get to the goat and yes i went with baker before the goat tb44 i understand this guy has never had the physical issues that peyton manning dealt with at the end of his career but father time Big Head is an ass kicker, and it's undefeated. So let me pose the question. Is this the year that TB44 gets all pinky and noodle-armed with it? Is this the year where he shows up as a shot fighter? This dude is setting the future bets. The ones that are doing it don't seem to think so. But where do you come out? I can't, they've got this guy's passing yardage at 47.50 over under. Which side of that are you on? Over, over, over. A lot of people forgot, Jim, outside of maybe the Super Bowl. This offense last year really didn't click for an entire four quarters until that Super Bowl. And Brady still threw for 4,600 yards. They now have an offseason, and this offense is all about airing it out. Brady had the second most attempts. Second most attempts of any quarterback in football last year. I see him going over. Um, easily 47.50 here. And the Tampa Bay Bucks as a team, they're going to be better than they were. And is right now, I mean, you don't even see Drew Brees in this guy. This guy has not lost anything yet. This is probably one of my favorite over, over, overs. Wow. No risk it, no biscuit. He's mm-hmm. emphatic. Over, 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 47.50. <laughs> now, there's only one guy that they've got at over under 5,000 yards. Actually, over 50 50, 5,050 yards to be exact. Of course, I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, hell, Mahomes? if Andy Reid needed Mahomes, Mahomes to throw for 7K, you know the dude could do that. He won't need to, but he could. If the number, though, is 50-50, which way are you leaning there? He could. You're right. It's like a pick your poison, whatever they want to do. I'm going over. I'm expecting one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL this season. They beefed up their protection like we all know. The defense still isn't great. Teams will try and run and burn clock to keep Pat off the field. But he's he's averaged 307 yards per game passing over his career as of now already. If he gets that, he clears this easy. So I'm going over 50-50. I, I like it as much as the Brady one almost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These, I mean, you were pretty emphatic. 
These are not hard things. All right, so in terms of the NFL futures, there's a lot more where that came from. But before I let you go, let's talk NBA futures. The Lakers went hard in the offseason, but most sports books have the Nets as the team to beat at plus 220. Is that how you see it? Yeah, this is right. The Nets and the Lakers are the two favorites by a substantial margin, but I like the Nets a little bit better here. They lost Jeff Green, but they retained Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown, who were nice fits. They also added uh, an underrated Patty Mills, who actually could provide some punch and depth if one of the big three goes down. Also, James Johnson, another pick-and-roll roll option for him. I like him. I see it how Vegas does. These two are the two best teams in the NBA. You know, I like Patty Mills. I like that acquisition. But I I can't imagine LeBron was very happy hearing what you just had to say about them (laughs) and him. In fact, I'm guessing his response was something like this. All right, so what about the Lakers? What about the Lakers? They had a crazy offseason, an aggressive offseason. They didn't get younger, although they did bring in some younger players. I'm not sure how these pieces fit. I love the big swing. Are you buying them at plus 350? I love that number. Uh, for the second second offseason in a row, Rob Lowe did his thing, and this roster, like last year's— By the way, you, you constantly referencing that guy's Rob Lowe is, quote, ass. That's the only name I really actually know of is, so, I mean, he looks like Rob Lowe. But his team here, Jim, it's better than the bubble team that they won the title with. Russ is a work in progress, how he assimilates to the whole thing. I mean, his time in Houston tells me he can probably be that guy. But they brought your guy, Dwight the Enforcer, back. A new, better Mello who could actually play a role, hopefully. Ariza, Ellington, Baysmore. But the under-the-radar moves here are stilling Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. Monk gives him a score off the bench in case one of those big guys goes down. And Nunn can handle the ball, shoot the three, and play D. It's kind of funny, though. Yes, they are old, but their young superstar, old street clothes, he's actually more fragile than the old guys. After the street clothes, Davis. Who are you talking about? Anthony Street Clothes. What was that, Alvin? Anthony Street Clothes Davis. I'd say, man, that that just seems so personal between you and him. Man, the guy's like a Hall of Famer. I was ahead of everybody on that, and everybody knows it. Did you just say I was ahead of everybody on that, and everybody knows it? Everybody on that. I I watched this guy since Kentucky days, and I was ahead of that. Damn, head. You're feeling good about you, man. I have no idea why, but you are feeling good about you. All right, Mm -hmm. so the thing about you... As long as you're feeling so good about you, let me tell you something about you, Head. Mm-hmm. You are one of the cheapest people I have ever met. You love a value play when you see one, and almost nobody repeats. If the Bucks do, that'll pay out plus 900. What do you make of that number? It's a great number, but I love my money, like you said. I, I'm frugal. I would not hit that. I now, love Giannis. cheap as hell. They are great. Um, P.J. Tucker, that'll hurt them. They didn't get better, and, I mean, they're within Katie's toe of being eliminated last season. So I would not hit that. But, I mean, that shows you the difference between the two teams and then the third best. They have Milwaukee at plus 900. You know, no, what that tells me is the lack of respect that the defending champs are getting. Not only can you get them at plus 900, you want nothing to do with it. None. Nothing to do wow. with it. Nope. All right. Well, they've got their ring, and nobody can take that from them as much as you're trying to rip it off their hand. No, no, no. Really quickly, we got to hit some baseball on the way out the door. This is our longest segment ever. You're getting a lot of information out there, hopefully making us some money. Let's hit some baseball. Do you have any games that you're looking at tonight or this weekend? 
Yeah, Brewers tonight, minus 1-5 run line v. Pittsburgh. Milwaukee is the best in baseball, hitting nearly 65% of their games against the run line, Jim. And Pittsburgh is second to last in baseball, going 18-32 and and covering about 26% of their games against the run line. The Brewers have won four straight. Brett Anderson has been uh, pitching very, very good for the last uh, five or six weeks, and Mitch Keller has not. I like the Brewers minus the run line. And then one more I'll give you, too, is A's minus the run line over the Rangers. Little iffy, Cole Irvin going for Oakland. I don't love that, but the A's are fire right now against the run line. 7-0 and in their last seven, 7-0 seven and in their last games as favorites, and then 4-0 and in their last four on the road. So I'll take a flyer on that. So I got do Brewers you, and A's minus the run line. Do you, you're on the run line, do you never play money line? Are you too cheap for that, or do you just like the run line better because it's more challenging intellectually? Like, what's the philosophy behind that? Money odds. They're, yeah. they're just too much. I, I, you got to get that money odd down. Because if not, I mean, some of these games are minus 210 or something like that on the, mon- on the money line. But sometimes I will if it's close or something like that. I was thinking about hitting the money line on the Cardinals tonight, but it's at 140 right now. So I, I-, I hit it for sure. All right. So I'll take that as no, you never hit the money line. Really quickly, <laughs> that was our biggest, fattest, monster betting segment ever. Run it down really quickly in case somebody missed it. And I know you'll have it on Twitter too. What are you hitting this weekend? Yeah, for passing yards on the prop bets, Joe Burrow over 4,200 yards passing. Kirk Cousins under 4,250. Baker Mayfield under 3,950. TB44 over, over, over 4,600. Patty Mahomes over 50-50. And for the NBA futures, I didn't pick one. Uh, the odds aren't great, but I think the Nets win there. And then for Major League Baseball tonight, Jim, Brewers minus the run line and the A's minus the run line. I can't say that I'm going to hit all of that, but I will hit much of that myself. Put it up on Twitter, Head. Great job by you. Thanks, Jim. All right. That's the big head, James Kelly. Let's make some money! Jamie Chadwell is my guest. Jamie, good to have you back. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for the opportunity, Jim. Thank you for making time to... uh, have me provide that opportunity, Jamie. Great to have you. So we're less than three weeks away from your season opener. It's been the most anticipated fall camp in program history. How has the camp been for you? How does the team look to you so far? You know what? We, we, we've had uh, so far, we're 10 practices in. We've had, we've had excellent competition, excellent mindset. Uh, our, our strength coach said it was arguably the best summer that he's had in, in 20 years of, of being a strength coach as far as just their mindset and the conditioning. And so we, we've come back with a great attitude and still that hunger that we need to have. Uh, and so we're heading in the right direction these first uh, couple weeks of practice. Jamie, I'm sort of obsessed with mindset, especially at this time of my life. Like what kind of a mindset does your team have? What kind of a mindset would you like them to have? Well, we competed last year with a chip on our shoulder, Jim, and it was all about we have something to prove. We're better than what you think. And the expectations inside our building were always as a, as a champion. I'm a big believer you're a champion in your mind before you're anywhere else. And, and so we believed that we could do it, and then we went out and did it. And so this year we've got to keep that same mentality. We've got to keep hunting. We, we don't want to be the hunt it. We don't want that target on our back even though it's there. We're the ones going out attacking uh, and just making sure that we have that mindset every day and everything that we do, and, and so far, so good. Jamie Chadwell joining us. You know the old saying, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get paid good. Uh, I got to ask you, but your hair, man, you've been rocking this beautiful mullet for, and it was part of a deal for your players. For those who do not know, what is the story behind the mullet, and how long are you going to keep it? 
Well, about probably game four, game five last year, obviously we had some guys wearing the mullet, and and uh, it's popular down here in Myrtle Beach. And they said, hey, Coach, we win this championship. How, will you grow yours out? And of course, I had no faith in them. So I said, sure, I'll do it. And of course, you know, seven games later, we end up winning the thing. And so I'm a man of my word. So I've been growing it out. I tried to get out of it over this summer, uh, but they asked me if I if I cut it, I had to get a tattoo. So I knew I knew the mullet's not permanent. So uh, I've got it going, and we're going to keep it going uh, until uh, until we can't hoist another trophy. So we'll see how. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be having it all the way up through uh, the end of this uh, year. Hey, listen, you're a man of your word, Jamie. But I mean, if you break this thing down, if you step back and maybe really open your mind up to it, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, is there not? power in the mullet have you felt any power in the mullet how different is your life now that you have a mullet well i'll tell you this I, when, when you're out here and you're on the ocean breeze you know this being in southern california you got that ocean breeze and that and that flow back there is, is feeling that breeze there's nothing like it and it just uh, it just you have a persona and you just have this uh, edge that comes off of you that people are attracted to. So it's uh, it's been pretty special for me. My wife doesn't like, but that's okay. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's something that who knows I might make it permanent. Okay, I like that. Jamie Chadwell joining us. I like that a lot. She might not like that, but I like that a lot. All right, so it's safe to say that you're not just all mullets in good times. You were number 13 in the nation last year. You averaged more than 6.7 yards per play on offense. It's going to get a lot of attention, and a lot of coaches are going to want to study your offense, and they're going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to pick your brain. Is that fun for you, and are you willing to share that information, or would you really rather not share your secrets with your peers? Well, you know, part of it, it, it is good because, you know, you get to see other coaches and, and uh, they want to learn from it, and you get a chance to learn from them. So I think, I think that's really awesome. The, the competitive part of you, you know, you work hard to try to give yourself an advantage, and the competitive part of you is like, hey, I don't want anybody to figure it out. Nowadays, everybody's got your own video, and they're all smart enough to, to watch it anyway. Uh, and it's not like uh, we created it. You know, we stole it from somebody. But uh, I do like – interacting with other coaches and stealing ideas and borrowing ideas, whatever it may be, because it, it helps you get better. Uh, and uh, what was crazy is nobody ever wanted you know to learn from it, and this year everybody did. So it's crazy how that always works out every year. Yes, yeah, I think that's great, right? You're the coach of Coastal Carolina. All of a sudden, everybody's flocking there. Everybody wants to spend time with you, and they want to study what you did. So that brings me to the next point. You had that amazing season last year. When you have a program and you have a year where there's so many first-ever moments and you have a ton of them, it can be hard to replicate that or move forward. When I look at the talent that you bring back – it doesn't feel like a one and done team. How does it feel to you? Oh, I definitely don't think we're one and done. And 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 the challenge, Jim, is not about replicating. It's about finding a way to be better and 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 hopefully better. You, you know, you want to win all of them, but it doesn't have to be per se that. It's just can we do, uh, you know, this practice better, this drill better, this specific situation better. Our, our main thing is we do have a lot of people coming back. Uh, but it's, let's start, let's try not to be like last year. At least last year's team that was completely different. This is a new one, and you have to have a, a, a the mindset of you're you're trying to be better uh, as an individual player and as a teammate to help us continue to build the program. Because it's we don't want to be a flash in the pan. We don't want to be like a you know an ice ice baby. Uh, we want to make sure that this is something that lasts for a long time. We want to be like the Rolling Stones. And so um, to do that, you just have to have consistency, and that's what we've been preaching. Oh, man, did you just say we don't want to be like an ice, ice baby? We want to be like the Rolling Stones? That's what I just said. Yes, sir. I like that. I like that a lot. 
All right, so let me ask you about a couple of your guys before you go. Grayson McCall is coming off a year where he was the conference player of the year. He was fifth in the nation in passer rating, but you've made the point that he's just scratching the surface of his potential. What does the next step in his growth look like to you? Well, I think two things. One, uh, you know, because of COVID the previous year, he missed a all, all off season from a lifting standpoint. He was quarantined all summer. This this off season was the first time he was really in a college weightlifting program for an off season, and so from a physical standpoint, he looks so much bigger, and so he's gotten quicker, arms gotten stronger. So I think from a physical standpoint, he's going to be a lot better than he was last year. And then the next thing uh, I think that you have to do from his growth is. Um, there's pressure now because it's coming out of the gate so well, and he's got to make sure that he continues just to play the game the way he the way he is. He was he was fearless last year. He didn't worry about making a mistake here or there. It didn't bother him. And you need to have that same mentality. I think sometimes when young people get really good, then their the expectations are you got to be it again, and they get a little fearful. And uh, I think what we've seen so far in spring uh, fall camp here is he's still fearless, which is the attitude that helped him be the player he is. So when you mentioned he went into the weight room and he got stronger and he came back out and his arm strength improved as well. And so you can do that. You can improve arm strength. Can you improve arm talent? And how do you do that? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think you, I think you can, but a lot of that's gifted, right? A lot of a lot of people just come out of the womb and just with God's blessed them with a, a right arm or a left arm. There's certain things you can do, uh, you know, to, to to improve that talent. But I think to me, more than anything, arm talent is more can can you throw with accuracy and on time, and that's the thing with him. His his strength has improved, but it what makes him special is the accuracy and being able to throw it on the time you need, uh, and that's what uh, I think you'll see from him this standpoint this year is where he'll take that next step. We are talking Coastal Carolina football for a few more moments. Jamie Chadwell is the head coach. They open again, open up against the Citadel, I should say, and that's coming up shortly. On the other side of the ball, you have Jeffrey Gunter, who was an all-conference player last year, number nine on the athletics freaks list. What does he mean to the defense in terms of that raw talent, but also the work ethic that he brings to it? Well, he is a freak athletically. I mean, he's 6'4 plus, 260 plus, can run like a deer, throw everything, lift everything, I mean, jump out of the gym. Uh, but he has a humble attitude, and he has a relentless work ethic. He is trying to be like the best player ever, not just the best player at his position, but he wants to be like the best ever. That's been his mentality. And when you have arguably your best player on your team, if he's your hardest worker and he's a great teammate, then that permeates through the whole locker room. And that's the thing that I, I think he's done a tremendous job of is he's tried to bring young people along with him. Hey, yes, I've got a physically gifted, but this is how I got there. It wasn't just all natural. I had to work for it. And, and our young people that are around him are seeing that, and he's bringing them along with him. And to me, that's what separates him from just a athletic freak. Hmm. I'm curious, Jamie, before you go, something you're dealing with that a lot of other coaches are dealing with is the fact that if a team has success, players might be tempted to jump into the transfer portal and then go to what they might think is a bigger program. You're returning so much talent. So how have you gone about dealing with that? And what's that say about the relationships within this program? Well, that is a challenge, you know, and, and what we, we talk a lot about on our staff, Jim, here is is there's got to be more value in our program than just what they can do for you on the field. And, and everybody has to feel valued for their role and who they are. And we've got to coach them that way, that it's not about what position you are, it's who you are as a person. Uh, and we work hard on building a culture that's inclusive, building a culture where everybody has a role and everybody's valued. And I think when you do that, 
and you have fun with that, that you make it more than just football. We know football is time-consuming, and we know winning is important at the FBS level, but you have to make it more than that. You have to make it a whole experience, and that's what we try to do. And I, I think I'm more proud than anything that out of having the success we had, we didn't lose those people. They all decided to stay and come back, especially 12 out of our 15 super seniors, and two of those went to NFL. So that, that says a lot about where we're heading and, and what our players feel about our program. All right, so one last thought. That came up, and this comes up all the time now. When I talk to coaches, Jamie, every single day, all of a sudden now more and more incorporating this notion of, hey, man, it's got to be fun. Our guys are going to work. We're going to ask them to make sacrifices and be dedicated, but it's got to be fun. It used to be back in the day that the fun came in winning. How do you keep this thing fun day-to-day while at the same time make some demands? Well, one fun does – Still coming, winning, no doubt. You don't work hard enough not to get the wins. But I think also, too, you, you can't take yourself as coaches too seriously. I think what happens is sometimes as coaches we forget how hard it was when we went through it, you know, and how hard practices was and, and the, the, the things that the players have to go through every day to try to perform at a high level. And so I always try to take myself back and our coaches, hey, let's remember when we were here, what would have been good for us that would have been going taking the trip to the water park or a water balloon fight or whatever it may be, just to get some levity. And I, we always try to find humor. I think you, I think your players need to see that there's fun. You can have fun and still work hard. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be fourth and short. We like to think we're a second and two program. Hey, every time, every day second and two. That means the whole playbook's open. Uh, and uh, I think when you have that mentality, players love to compete for each other because they know they've got coaches that will let them be their personality. I like it. A second and two program. He is the head football coach at Coastal Carolina. As I mentioned, the recipient of numerous National Coach of the Year awards the last year. They're coming off a big year, so big that they start the preseason. Ranked 24th and open up against the Citadel. Jamie, great to have you back. Thank you so much for that. Jim, thank you very much. Okay, Albie, how's that week that was look? Is any of my Bill Belichick imitation going to get into it? Yeah, 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 yeah. How about that Deca Monday? Man, those two weeks went fast. What's going on? Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. It's good to be back. The good news is I have hammered out a month of vacation during the summertime. I'm ready to rock and roll. That's probably more vacation than you guys get. set for the fall. Let's get it. You are now stuck with me. Yeah! just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Have some, Raymond. He's the Peyton Manning of quarterback. But the Rex Grossman of comedians. Now this crap all the way up to our patio. They're this close to taking a dump in my bed. They do own me. Paul's dog, what's up? Welcome back from Risco. Well, sorry, I couldn't help with the The thunder was scary. Email. Why don't you have Parody Larry record some songs so you can play them full blast in your yard? Wait, you said you didn't want to kill them. Never mind. You're talking to Jonathan Jones. I don't know what the Colts do. If they want to win football games, they should trade for a Nick Foles. If they don't want to hurt Carson Wentz's psyche, then they should not trade for a Nick Foles. Twitter. Great job getting interviewed on the Carl Durrell Show. Carl, it's great to have you back. How are you? Good. How you doing, Jim? It's always good to have you. Great, Lef. I mean, a guy can't misspeak. Hey, Lef, have you never, ever flubbed one of your smack-off scripts? Greg Berhalter. When we moved into overtime, you know, I looked at the guys in the huddle, and I saw their eyes, and I knew that we were ready to compete and just wear them down. Rome, talking soccer. What's next? Jousting. What Ray Lewis feels like when he just smokes someone coming over the middle. This is a enormous jousting house. Man, how good is it to have me back? Not how good is it to be back, but how good is it to have me back? Oh! 
regards Rome's studio chair when it sees Van Snack approaching. Why not embrace the weight gain? There's nothing wrong with nice, meaty guys. I get that gaining seven pounds in two weeks and losing it in less than 48 hours is not that bright. Dumbass. I know what it is. I also know this. There's no way in hell I was showing up Monday morning with you asking me how many buckets of jungle caramel that I smashed. Jungle caramel? I'm talking to Mick Cronin. There's two kind of people. Those that are humble and those that are about to be humble. Max Homa, my guest. I really learned about this button, the mute button on Twitter this year. Muted like, gosh, 800 accounts. I realized if I want to enjoy my life a bit more, I need to make sure I'm filtering out the junk. Ben Roethlisberger. You come at me with an avocado cone, you're getting these hands. And these hands are not as fat as they used to be. You are... Big Ben, not bony Ben. Gerald McCoy is joining us. When things are great, work. When things are bad, work. When when you're struggling, work. If something breaks, you can just work. If you can't figure out what you need to do, just go back to work. Had 84 mil on the table, turned it down, and parlayed it into 5.9 mil. That's not a gut punch. That's a Mack truck driving right through your junk. You are the EP. What's it been like? It's been a lot, but it's been wonderful. And the clones are amazing. But yes, they're very much onto this whole chocolate thing. Chocolate departed this complete break. Go ahead, give me a call. I'm here. Here is your new EP. And he's running my way, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to block this guy. I'm going to run it up field. And then he just throws it at my feet, and he just starts yelling, like, Eckler, I'm not going to run the ball. Get open. And I can tell you some great stories off microphone, which will really make you laugh. Yeah, you know, Robert Plant, I would, except the Dodgers are in the midst of a three-game winning streak. That's a really important East Coast swing. Oh, okay. How about them, I love this song. <laughs> this is not a setback. This is nothing to worry about. I can't even go there. Ooh, wow, it's amazing. JLC, we need a list of your 75 favorite songs of all time. Oh, jeez. Right? Exactly. I, I would I would wave the white flag. Can you, can you sublet it to someone and then maybe sign off on it at the end? Is it the song you have an issue with or Rit personally? I'm going to say both, Jim, and I, it, it sounded like Rit was actually on the board there for a second. Both. Diabetes. Hello, Jimmy. How are you? I warm up the old arm by playing long toss with my chocolate lab growler. Was that actually Rex or was that a fake? Hey, Jimmy. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. We don't want to be like my size baby. Uh, we want to make sure that this is something that lasts for a long time. We want to be like the Rolling Stones. You know, some good things. Yeah, that makes me want to say... <laughs> Thank you, you're a legend. I love you guys, and I appreciate y'all having Thanks, Romy. Hey, if you're out of Delmore this weekend, text me. Hey, Lee in Vancouver, you can go ahead and delete that tweet, because I'm never going to read it. It's a Jim Rohn thing you wouldn't understand. We'd love to get you up to the Rose Bowl. Brother Boat, stay safe out there. Stay safe, Rome. I was ahead of everybody on that. Now the decision is made. I'm somebody up. Black Pepper. Hey, Jim, I appreciate you as well, man. Man, it's good to have me back. Good night now!